Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by Holy Name Medical Center. This place is different. The New Jersey Education Association. Gibbons PC. Operating Engineers. Local 825. NJM Insurance Group. Serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. Wells Fargo. The Russell Berry Foundation making a difference. Johnson & Johnson. And by NJ Best, New Jersey's 529 College Savings Plan. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ. And by New Jersey Globe. Welcome to Think Tank. I'm Steve Adubato. We're uh, on News 12 Plus, as you always know. As you know, uh, a couple times a week, I want to introduce my colleague, the senior producer of Think Tank, Nicole Swinnerton. How are we doing? We're doing great. How about you, Steve? Uh, I'm doing great. People are going to be even better when they see this program. On the back end of this edition of Think Tank, you'll see Gene Kronaki, the president of St. Peter's University. But on the front end, a major national congressional race in the second district down in South Jersey, a bellwether for the nation. Um, Jeff Andrew was a Democrat, now Republican, a big Trump supporter, and Amy Kennedy, the Democrat, who's running against him. It's a huge race down there that, I'll tell you what, depending upon who wins that race could tell us a lot about who becomes president, right? Absolutely. I think whoever wins that race, it'll tell a lot about uh, the voters in that district and what they really want, because originally they had voted for Congressman Van Drew as a Democrat. A Democrat at the time. So it's pretty fascinating that he has now changed over to a Republican, and he is saying that he has a ton of support as a Republican. So as Dr. Kornakia says at the end of this show, this is a critical election. And I think these mm. two interviews with uh, Congressman Van Drew and Amy Kennedy tell you exactly why. Absolutely. By the way, uh, let's make sure we, let, we thank our underwriters of this program. Go ahead. Absolutely. We'd love to thank Holy Name Medical Center, Gibbons PC, International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and NJEA. You know, real quick, we've got about a few seconds left before we have to go to this clip. Uh, not this clip, this entire think tank program. One of the things that strikes me is that a lot of politics and a lot of media coverage is about name calling, about horse race, about who said what about whom. Think Tank is different. We're on, on policy issues, right? Absolutely. We are not a horse race show. We are not um, MSNBC or CNN. So we are covering the actual issues, the issues that matter, talking about health care. We talked to Amy Kennedy about the Affordable Care Act and talking Talk about, about COVID I mean, and how it's being dealt with or not. Absolutely. There's so many issues out there, and that's what's really important to talk about right now. Yeah, we're not interested in polls. We care about what you think after you watch this. So on behalf of Nicole and our entire team, um, without further ado, this is Think Tank. Hi, this is Steve Adubato coming to you remotely. In this particular uh, program, we focus largely on the 2nd Congressional District and the race there, uh, a race that's important in New Jersey and nationally. We kick off the program with United States Congressman Jeff Van Drew, who represents the 2nd District. Good to see you, Congressman. It's great to see you as well. Right after this, we'll be joined by uh, the Congressman's Democratic opponent, Amy Kennedy. Congressman, let me ask you this. We'll try to stay on the issues 
on policy, on COVID. Where has President Trump, whom you support um, down the line, where has he done well? Where has he fallen short on COVID as, as a leader? Well, I think he certainly has done well in that he has pointed out, you know, from the very beginning, he was concerned that, you know, we needed to have a travel ban. And if you remember when he first instituted the travel ban, when we started to hear all the news of COVID, he was very much criticized almost as being a racist because he was having a travel ban out of China. It proved to be the right thing. And that was the beginning, I believe, of the president doing an awful lot of what is right. I mean, he was able to make sure we had enough respirators. Uh, you know, nobody is prepared or nobody in recent history has ever been prepared for the type of event that occurred, yet we were able to get PPE together, we were able to help our businesses, we were able to financially make sure that you know these businesses and that individual people through extended unemployment, businesses through PPP were uh, you know, taken care of to some degree. Far from perfect and dependent upon each individual governor. So there's a lot that our governor has done here in New Jersey that I don't think has been good. We're the only state that didn't actually break out the way that we opened up the state. Even New York State, things were allowed in northern uh, New York that weren't allowed in the city, which made sense. Yet in New Jersey, everything was done with a broad brush. And so, you know, I've disagreed with the governor on the way that he's gone about that. Our shore businesses have been hurt because of that. And that's more of a state issue and a gubernatorial issue. I think the president's done well. He's been involved. He's been involved literally just about every day. He's ensured that, you know, the dollars would be there where they were needed. And I think that at the end of the day, um, you know, God willing, when we come out of this thing, we'll look at this and know that we learned a lot and that there's a lot more to learn about a pandemic as well. Congressman, let me, let me follow up. Um, the United States has more than a quarter of all of the deaths, all of the cases in the world. Um, I appreciate your explanation of where the president has done well, but I ask where we've fallen short. The United States has suffered more than virtually every other industrialized nation. Where has the president fallen short? Because the, a significant number of New Jerseyans and Americans believe he has. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking execution, leadership, and policy. Where are we falling short? I don't think that we have fallen that short, and, and that's why I'm trying to be clear here. Um, there are individual governors who dealt with the situation in different ways, and it is the nature of our country that we always allow, obviously, individual states to have states' rights. So, In a global pandemic? Did, of course, it's, it has been allowed always. And I think most governors would want that. So I think the governor of New Jersey would argue that he should have some authority in a some. global pandemic of what happens in New Jersey. I don't necessarily agree with that or agree with what he did. Some, absolutely. Uh, I think the other problem has been that there's been a lot of politics around this, even uh, in Washington, where we needed to get things done. And there were some folks, and I would argue, quite frankly, on the other side, that were too busy playing politics, trying to make you the know, other side, the, the other good. side, meaning the side you used to play for. Yes, correct. Okay. Exactly right. The Democrats. Yeah. 
Everybody learns in life. Everybody gets smarter. You, you said your party left you. You didn't leave the party. I'm sorry for interrupting. What did you mean by that, Congressman? The party changed radically. I started out as a councilman, and I always, even in council, I said to the folks that asked me to do it, I am a moderate to a conservative individual. Do you really think the Democratic Party is the place for me? And at that time, they said that they did, and it was a big tent. As time has gone along, more and more and more, the party, in my opinion, the Democratic Party is not the big tent. The Democratic Party has changed. It has become very far to the left, in many ways very socialist, and in many ways even Marxist. So I think the party- Whoa, socialist work. and Marxist? So Kamala Harris, the former attorney general in California, perceived by many on the left to be too moderate and too tough on crime when she held that position. Joe Biden never called far left criticized by many for not being progressive enough. You believe that that ticket is too far left? I didn't say that. I didn't say the I'm, ticket. I'm asking. I, didn't, I didn't talk about the ticket. Yes, the things that they will do at the end of the day, when you speak about demeaning or diminishing the police, when you talk about defunding police, which my opponent has, yes, I think it is. Uh, I think they are in the uh, Green New Deal. Absolutely, I do. I think they do when they don't stand up and say what is happening uh, in our cities and in our urban areas is wrong. Not only those Democrats, but those Democratic mayors that aren't willing to stand up and say, no, you can't throw Molotov cocktails. No, you cannot destroy buildings, federal or otherwise. No, you cannot uh, create that kind of harm to our police force or to actually uh, the property uh, that belongs to the taxpayers of the United States of America. You think Amy Kennedy, your Democratic opponent, supports the things you just described, the destroying of property? And you think she supports those things? I, I don't know that she would say when she supports them, but what she has said about police, which is why in her hometown, her very hometown, uh, I have gotten the support of the police there and the endorsement, Just right in her town, as well as I expect to get the support and endorsement uh, of both the uh, PBA and the FOP as well. There's a reason, and it's because of what she said. What she said will lead to the things I speak about. Real quick, quick follow-up. I asked her this question. I'm going to ask you, uh, even though your interview will air first. If you had to, uh, we scale from one to 10, uh, Kamala Harris as a leader, a potential vice president, what would you give her, one to 10? As a, I guess a one, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's what the United States needs right now. And you know what, in the primary, Democrats felt she wasn't what was needed. When she spoke about Joe Biden, she spoke about him in ways that were very unpleasant. She sure. led us to believe that in some ways he was in uh, racist or, or at the least prejudicial in, in a lot of what he did and the laws that he passed. And there are many on the far left that felt that she was as well in some of the things that she did as uh, a prosecutor and an attorney general. So they both said things that were very serious about each other. And even but though that, that excuse me, doesn't that say something about him that he picked someone who challenged him and said terrible things about him if he thinks that she would be a good leader. Isn't that a good leadership quality? 
I, I don't know. I think a good leadership quality is when people can disagree with each other, but they can disagree with each other in a way that is full of intellect and is full of respect. And the remarks that were made, quite frankly, during that debate, I don't think represent that. And I, I think it's amazing that he did pick her because she said things that basically led us all to believe that he was unfit to be the president of the United States. Can I get a yes or no on this? I really respect what you just said about civil discourse and being respectful to each other. Do you think President Trump has conducted himself in that way as a leader that he has been on the issues on the merits without the name calling and, and personal attacks? Just yes Some or no. Sometimes, no, I'm not going to say, I, I don't never do the yes. Has he no. engaged in name calling but and personal attacks? Sure. The president is very outspoken. You never have, you never have, Congressman, and you didn't as a state senator. That is correct. But he also, I think, captured a great deal of what so many Americans have been thinking and feeling. They are thinking and feeling that their government no longer is representing them, no longer representing a group of people that are just hard-working, average folks that need to be paid attention to. He captured that, and he captured it in a way that was very blunt. I would say that the president of, of our United States at times can be very blunt. Congressman, Arnold, thank you so much for joining us. So we wish you and your family all the best, particularly in these challenging times. Thank you, Congressman. I thank you, and I thank you for the opportunity. You got it. I'm Steve Adubato. I'll be right back. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. In the fabric of America, they are the toughest threads. One of the first things they learned was the code that every service member lives by, leave no one behind. Now all of us need to live by it too, because some veterans are being left behind. 20 of them take their own lives every day. Learn how to be there for a veteran at BeThereForVeterans.com. Honor the code. Be there. Leave no one behind. We are now joined by Amy Kennedy, who is the Democratic congressional candidate in the second congressional district. Good to see you, Amy. Thanks so much, Steve. I appreciate you having me on today. Let everyone know who's watching us in a multi-state uh, area. The second congressional district of New Jersey is where? Oh, it's the bottom third of New Jersey, all of South Jersey. So I'm talking to you today from Atlanta County, but it, we include you know, Cape May County, a little bit of Ocean, Cumberland, Salem, Gloucester, Camden. Uh, so it's it's really, it's eight counties, parts of eight counties, and um, a lot of diversity. So, um Amy, our focus is mostly on issues. It's less on politics and horse race. You're running against the incumbent, Jeff Andrew, was a Democrat, now is a Republican, a big Donald Trump, President Trump supporter. The biggest reason from a public policy point of view that he should be taken out of Congress by you is what? You know, I think what we've seen uh, in the recent months is just a failure to really bring support that's needed in response to this virus. Things like the stimulus that we know so many people in South Jersey are struggling and he hasn't been supportive of, but I think in a more broad sense, just a, a departure from really standing up for South Jersey. I think when he did pledge his undying support to Donald Trump, it felt like he had um, left a lot of people behind. 
It's interesting. By the way, I want to let everyone know we're taping on the 13th of August. This will be seen later. Cross your fingers about that stimulus package. We do not know what is going to happen. And just be clear, only certain things can be done through executive order from the White House. And last time I checked, Congress does control the purse strings. That being said, Amy Kennedy, um, Jeff Andrew has said, listen, I didn't leave the party. The Democratic Party left me. It is much farther left, more progress progressive. Um, and actually, it's not the Democratic Party I signed up for. Isn't that fair? You know, I think that everybody can really appreciate someone who's independent-minded and that we are looking for leadership that is perhaps less partisan than what we've seen recently because of the gridlock. But that's not, I think, what was demonstrated in this switch. It was from one side completely to the other, and there was something about it that just did not feel like it was for the best interests of South Jersey, but more self-interest. And I think that's where, um, you know, he'll struggle to find support for that kind of move. It's interesting. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Donald Trump is very popular in your district. He just sure. is. And I said we wouldn't do politics, but the reality is from a policy point of view, from a style point of view, I imagine, his presidency is popular in the second congressional district. Doesn't that create a real challenge for you? You know, I think there's a lot of things that um, people in South Jersey are really wanting to hear from this president and from leadership. And now is the time to make healthcare a priority. The economy needs to be a focus. And as somebody who's grown up in South Jersey, I think that I'm able to connect with a lot of the concerns that the local people in this district are thinking about. Go back to the healthcare issue. Um, the Affordable Care Act, still under attack by the Republicans in Congress, by the president, not perfect, clearly, but what impact would it have on the constituents of the second congressional district if, in fact, serious changes were made to Obamacare? Yeah, people are, are really having a hard time right now. We know that we've got to expand, protect and expand the Affordable Care Act at a time when this country is in the midst of a pandemic. We don't want people to be without life-saving treatment. And, you know, it, because so much of healthcare is tied to employment, when we have such high rates of unemployment in this district, it's really a struggle for families. I want to, people to know that their pre-existing conditions will be covered, that any COVID-related treatment is going to be covered, and that they'll be able to, uh, you know, pay for or have the care that they need moving forward. Let me ask you this in terms of COVID. Uh, I'm up here in northern New Jersey taping from my home. You're in your home down in Atlantic County, correct? Biggest difference in terms of how you believe COVID has affected those of us in the north, particularly in congested areas in the southern part of the state, clearly less populated and more rural. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's still a concern for us because of the tourism industry, especially during the summer. There's a lot of influx of visitors and we have to be really mindful of the role that that can play and just continue to ask people to be safe and careful and social distance and do what they can so that we're able to, uh, you know, get on the other side of this and maintain, you know, our, our ability to flatten the curve in the way that we've done. I think New Jersey is in a better place right now than a lot of other states. 
Um, real quick on this. Several years ago, I interviewed your husband, uh, former Congressman Patrick Kennedy, on the issue of mental health. He has been outspoken, courageous on this issue in terms of describing his own experience. From a congressional perspective, if you were elected to this seat, what would your priority be as it relates to mental health? Absolutely. For me, uh, it's a top priority. Obviously, we're, we're focused on the virus right now and the economy, but mental health is a big concern, even as it relates to those issues, because anxiety and stress, uh, isolation that's resulted from this time period has led to an uptick um, in a lot of substance use disorders, um, suicidal ideation. We know that students in particular are going to face a really difficult time. And that's where my focus has been and how we can bring those mental health services to young people to get them early interventions, you know, prevention, the things that can build their resiliency and help them when they're struggling so that they'll have successful outcomes. Got a minute left. Speaking of school-aged children, you have five, do you not? I do. That's right. How challenging is it going to be running for the United States Congress if, in fact, they are home and online uh, learning remotely? What kind of challenge will that create for you and Patrick and your family? You got a minute left. I think it's, you know, it's the relatable um, challenge that a lot of women in this country are facing and families, uh, you know, and men who are also working from home because it's very difficult to make sure that your kids have what they need. We know it only speaks to the challenge of high quality childcare uh, more broadly, as well as remote learning and how we can expand the access for remote learning at this time when it's a crucial part of what we're trying to deliver. I lied, one more quick question. Kamala Harris, the vice presidential pick of uh presidential candidate on the Democratic side, Joe Biden, from one to 10, give her a number. Oh, 10, we're excited. I mean, of course, I'm, I'm really excited that we have uh, a woman on the ticket and especially one as qualified and, and just really strong as she is. And so I'm looking forward to being on the ticket with Biden and Harris. We're taping this out of order. So you will see Jeff Van Drew, Congressman Van Drew before this, but I assure you, I will ask him that same question to give a rating one to 10 to Kamala Harris as the vice presidential candidate. Uh, Amy Kennedy, I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, we wish you and your family all the best. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate you having me on today. You got it. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. We're now joined by popular demand uh, by our good friend, Dr. Jean Krenakia, who is president of St. Peter's University. Good to see you, Jean. Happy to be here. Let's do this. Um, the 2020 election, we'll talk uh, significantly about higher education, the, the chaotic and difficult, uncertain world we're in in the age of COVID. But why does this 2020 election matter so much to the nation? Well, Steve, it's a critical election in so many different ways. We're at the precipice of tremendous change in our country and in the world, right? Economically, in terms of climate change, uh, social upheavals. Uh, and this election is going to determine what direction the nation moves in, whether we'll continue to have the kinds of upheavals and disconnects that seem to be out there, or whether or not we'll come together and work together to really uh, overcome the obstacles that we face as a nation. 
Now, some might be asking why is uh, Adubato asking Dr. Karnakia about politics? It's because he is a political scientist by his academic uh, scholarly background. And also, Gene, if you remember, you were the first guest on a panel that we had on the future of Democratic Party, the Democratic Party on a show called Think Tank, right? So let me ask you this. Now that we know, as we do this program at the end of the summer of 2020, that Kamala Harris is the vice presidential pick of Joe Biden, you were concerned that they potentially, as a party, were moving too far left. What do you think this means? Well, I think the party is right there in the center. Uh, really? It, yeah, it's in the center. It's center slightly left of center, but basically center. Uh, you know, the center is a, a pretty wide area. Sure, but not far. We had Jeff Andrew who said some of the Democrats are socialist, bordering on Marxist. He didn't say that about Biden and, and, and Kamala Harris. But this is pretty middle. This is pretty middle. And his selection of, of Harris really shows that he's trying to steer a center course, but also reach out to younger voters who have been disenchanted of late. And though uh, Harris was not on the, uh, the, the Warren or the Sanders uh, side of, of, of the party, uh, she nonetheless, I think, will appeal to a lot of the younger voters. Switch gears, gears to a higher ed, and we'll do an additional segment with Dr. Kronaki on, on higher ed. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about this. Does the tuition freeze at St. Peter's right now? Yes, there is. Why? To help our students and families during this tremendously difficult time that they're facing with COVID-19. So many of them have lost jobs. We've heard from them that they, in many cases, have even lost their homes. Uh, this is an incredible catastrophe. And so we did what we could do within our means. Um, as we do this program, at the end of the summer. Is it fair to say St. Peter's will have a hybrid uh, situation in terms of learning or is it all remote? Well, you know, that's interesting, Steve. Fast moving. As we speak, things are changing <laughs> constantly. Go ahead. The governor just issued a new executive order. So we have made the determination that we're gonna stay all remote throughout the entire fall semester. And that, that was determined last week, actually, when we believed we would not be able to move into physical um, instruction. But in reconsidering that over the last day or so, we decided we're gonna stay remote because ultimately it's the health and safety of our students, faculty and staff that matters. I am not confident that it will be a safe environment to return in person. You're in Jersey City. How much of the decision-making process? And again, there are some universities and colleges and in a wide open rural area. That is not the case because I've been to your campus so many times. It is an urban environment and a crowded environment. Does that play into the decision? Uh, it does to a degree, certainly. Uh, the challenge for us is, of course, uh, if you're gonna have instruction, you need a lot of space, in-person instruction, you need a lot of space for social distancing. Uh, we've done all that mapping in, you know, over the summer and it just doesn't work for us, you know, given the configuration of our buildings and facilities. So we might as well be remote and make sure everybody is safe. Another follow-up on this. You've often said to me that, that higher education will be changed and changed forever. Still believe that? Oh, yes, I still believe it. You know, I think where we were headed in five or seven years from now is happening now. The, the rapidity of change was thrust upon us by COVID-19. And so, you know, movement towards more remote education in many ways, this is a good, you know, 
experiment for us all as we gear up for more remote blended learning, uh, bigger partnerships and collaborations with other institutions and businesses. All of this was going to evolve over five or seven years, and now it's going to happen this year and next year. Great rapidity. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned collaboration. We've got a few seconds left. Do you do you believe that the intense competition um, between among uh, colleges and universities less so? Oh, I know. I think there's there's a great deal of competition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's healthy. I believe in competition. It's healthy. It is healthy. It forces us to look at things we perhaps wouldn't have looked at, but necessarily had to. So I'm okay. all for competition. Uh, collaboration and competition, they are not mutually exclusive. Check that that is uh, coming directly from Dr. Jean, Eugene Kornakia, who is president of St. Peter's University in beautiful Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, Dr. Kornakia, thank you so much for watching, for being with us. We appreciate it. You're welcome. And I want to thank you for watching. He's I on. Do. You're watching. I, I get yeah. it right, Gene. I've only been doing it for 30 <laughs> years. I'll get it right. <laughs> I'm Steve Adubato, I think. I'll see you next time. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by Holy Name Medical Center, the New Jersey Education Association, Gibbons PC, Operating Engineers, Local 825, NJM Insurance Group, Wells Fargo, the Russell Berry Foundation, Johnson & Johnson, NJ Best, New Jersey's 529 College Savings Plan. And by these public-spirited organizations, individuals, and associations committed to informing New Jersey citizens about the important issues facing the Garden State. And by Employers Association of New Jersey. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ. And by New Jersey Globe. In the fabric of America, they are the toughest threads. One of the first things they learned was the code that every service member lives by. Leave no one behind. Now all of us need to live by it too, because some veterans are being left behind. 20 of them take their own lives every day. Learn how to be there for a veteran at betherefoveterans.com. Honor the code, be there, leave no one behind.